0: What's up, everyone? Like Kevin Durant said on the Warriors, you know who I am. It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. With a little over two weeks away from the NBA trade deadline. Our Hoops Hype salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Goslin, joins me to discuss the latest rumblings ahead of the NBA trade deadline, including Ben Simmons, James Harden, DeMontis Sabonis, and other trade candidates on today's episode. Yossi, I think the first guy that we got to talk about is James Harden. Um, You know, in post games previously, James has joked about giving Kyrie Irving the vaccine. And uh, you had to wonder at some point if that privately frustrated Harden because he wanted to come to the Nets for a big three. And it's been a big 2.5 so far because Kyrie can't play in half the games. you know, if people thought Harden was upset about rotations like uh, the report from Bleacher Report suggested uh, they should see Nets Twitter and Twitter spaces after games. Um, but the bottom line is, you'll see uh, when I saw a report from Bleacher Report about James Harden being upset about uh, Kyrie Irving's part-time status and Steve Nash's rotations. The bottom line is this. The Nets are chasing the championship this season unless they know Harden is definitely going to leave in free agency i don't see them trading Harden to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons before the trade deadline uh i think what's interesting is how does Kevin Durant feel about the chatter that was surrounding Harden uh and Irving also not being able to play in home games you know Kevin Durant was the only member of the trio to sign an extension with Brooklyn before the season and now the potential dynasty that was envisioned could be over as quickly as it started by the end of the season. Time will tell, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. I do think if the Nets win the championship, uh none of this, you know, reporting that came out today is going to really matter. Um it's just been crazy that the three stars haven't even been able to play I think 20 games yet. Um but you know, you'll see uh to play Devils advocate here. Um there are a lot of different ways, theoretically, if James Harden wanted to leave Brooklyn and go to Philadelphia, uh, that the, that can happen. So I want to give you the floor to kind of break it down for the listeners and take us through the steps, uh, whether it's him opting out, you know, opting in and then doing a trade, the, the different scenarios where potentially, possibly, James Harden could become a Philadelphia 76er.
1: All right, so uh first i I agree with you. I don't think there will be any hard in the Philadelphia trade uh within the next two weeks. I think Brooklyn's gonna be gonna keep him through the rest of the year, try to win the championship, and hopefully whatever issues might be going on, maybe winning can cure all. also. I think they're gonna be okay with him testing the market if that's what he wants to do, and bet that he will want to return but um. If he wanted to go to Philadelphia, there's a lot of, there's some obstacles there. There's different paths that, that can, that Harding could take, the Sixers can take for it to happen. But in my opinion, I, despite these obstacles, I actually think that him going to Philadelphia is within reach, whether it's cap space or sign and trade or a regular trade, I think they're all pretty plausible. and. Uh, Sam Quinn, a friend of the podcast, he wrote a really great piece yesterday detailing how the Sixers can get hardened in, in all these different uh, scenarios. And I will, so I'll go over some of these paths. Uh, so obviously the easiest way would be a regular trade and maybe some of the stuff is coming out now to try to get the trade done now. Uh, cause, you know, the Sixers, they want to compete and, and Embiid's playing out of his mind right now. Um, and so if they could do a regular trade, either now or in the offseason, uh, in the offseason, they could do an opt-in trade. That's something that uh, Daryl Morey is familiar with when he was in Houston. Chris Paul uh, opted in on like the last day of his uh, when his opt-in was his player option day was uh, was due. And it basically his way into Houston. That was about five years ago. So that would be the ideal path for everybody involved in case Harden does want to go to Philly for Philadelphia, they outright trade for him. Uh, they don't risk uh, having to create cap space that could potentially go unused if he changes his mind later. Or, uh, and also, they prevent getting hard capped in a science trade, so they wouldn't have any limitations towards building the rest of the roster. The Nets, they'd have a little more leverage then to get Simmons and some other stuff. Uh, maybe they could get some picks, some young players like Maxi Taibo. And then Harden doesn't lose money. I mean, uh, you know, he'll he'll lose. A, so so financially, Harden would lose a decent chunk of money if he were to leave Brooklyn in the free agency or sign and trade. If he wants to if he sticks with the Nets, he can get basically 270 million over the next five years. And that's whether it's an extension or or uh, he resigns with them on a five year deal. Both paths equal 270 million over five years. That's for the maximum. Um, The Sixers or any other team can only give Harden four years, 200 million, either through caps and that's cap space or sign and trade. So, a trade to Philadelphia while under con- while he's under contract would preserve his bird rights and allow him to re-sign and extend later with Philadelphia to make up whatever that loss, uh, the lost money in years. So I looked into the sign-and-trade possibility, and at first I thought that even if they traded uh, Simmons for Harden in the sign-and-trade, they'd probably need to get off a really big salary like Tobias to stay under the hard cap, but that's actually not the case. So let's say they trade Simmons in a small salary filler for Harden in a sign-and-trade at his $46.5 maximum starting salary, and they also waive Danny Green's non-guaranteed contract, they'd be right at the hard cap with roughly 12 players. So they're basically right there they're close enough uh, to the hard cap where they could do whatever tinkering whatever small cost cutting move needed to make it all work under the hard cap so that scenario works too the last pathway is cap space and this one on the surface feels like the most unlikely the most complex uh the most risky the sixers they would need to off they basically need to offload both simmons and tobias to generate enough cap space to sign harden so they need to get the 46 and half mil. If they get off both Simmons and Tobias, I got them roughly at a 52 million. Uh, and that, that includes waiving Danny Green as well. So the Sixers could go into the offseason with Simmons and Harris still on the roster. But then it's really unlikely to get to cap space. They, they won't be able to – I don't think they'll be able to get off 70 million between those two in the offseason – there's not going to be that much cap space available and then it would probably cost several draft picks to get it done what they could do and this is something i'd be keeping an eye on in the off in the, in the trade deadline uh you know i'm not expecting it to happen but maybe the sixers could just trade simmons and harris for expiring contracts now maybe they could even get some picks cheap young player back as well um a trade like that would probably require three or four teams because I don't think there's a single team out there that could send back enough expiring contracts uh, solely for Simmons and Harris. But that if they could do that in this trade deadline, that would put the Sixers in a position to just outright hard, uh, sign hard in the offseason. And maybe that could get the Nets interested in talking sign and trade then. Uh and so, and if, um, so if they, let's say they can do that. Let's say they could do Simmons, Harris, maybe uh, just for expiring contracts. Maybe they could get some, a little bit of assets now in the same deal. Maybe you create some uh, trade exceptions at the same time in the process. Then I think they should also have a little bit of uh, some assets left over afterwards. Maybe they could do another trade to build onto the Embiid Hard and Duo. So just, I just, I don't think these scenarios are as unlikely as they seem. Uh, I think if put it simply, I think if Harden really wants to go to Philadelphia, it's gonna be pre- It shouldn't be too hard to make it happen.
0: Well, I'll say this in the, in the immediate future, and I, I get the sense that Harden is focused on trying to compete with Brooklyn right now and try to make the most of. The rest of the season I don't think he's angling to go to Philly uh currently I mean time will tell if that changes but as we said in the opener if the Nets kind of win the title all this reporting and stuff doesn't matter if they have a really good year there's a lot to be determined um you know but while the Nets at this point certainly like the noise surrounding James Harden is not ideal um I don't think The Nets move him, as I touched on earlier, before the deadline. And so with that in mind, Brooklyn is looking at how they can compete now to try and better themselves for the second half of the season uh, post the All-Star break. And a couple of notes uh, as the deadline looms here for the Nets. So Brooklyn wants an asset of some kind for Paul Millsap, whether it's another veteran who can help them win now or a future second-round pick, I'm told. Uh, The Nets hit on drafting Kessler Edwards in the second round of the draft. And he's a name to watch for his two-way deal being converted into a standard NBA contract following the trade deadline and the buyout market. Uh, In terms of potential trades, keep an eye on Bruce Brown as a trade ship, too. His role and his minutes have fluctuated at times with Brooklyn this season. Javon Carter is also another name to watch. He's fallen out of Brooklyn's rotation, and he's available on the trade market. Outside of those guys, the Nets have gotten calls on Joe Harris and Nicholas Claxton, but I don't expect those guys to be moved unless they're packaged for a star or a really high-caliber starter. Uh, Looking at this current Nets team right now, Yose.
1: Yeah, I think if the Nets do something, I think they'll do some – I think they do have some moves to make on the margins. Uh, You mentioned Paul Millsap. I think alongside with him, I would imagine that some of the other veterans – have been out of the rotation or have had their roles reduced like Blake Griffin and James Johnson. I'm sure they could they might be available to um if they can and I don't I don't really think they'll get necessarily like, you know, positive value for these guys, but they can just get off these guys, you know, maybe even just just get off them not take back any salary. Think that might be just good enough to get the savings. Uh, free up a roster spot too for the buyout market. They dominated the buyout market last off season. So uh, last tra- uh, last season, so that could be a priority. Um, but yeah, just I'm just looking at some marginal moves. I'm not I'm not too sure what uh what a package of like Joe Harris and the Claxton uh, could get them.
0: I agree with you there, and you know, Yossi, you touched on earlier how it w- could be tough for Philly to combine both Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons in trade talks well. Uh, The 76ers and Hawks briefly kicked around a trade of Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris for John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Danilo Gallinari, league sources told Hoopsite. However, those talks stalled quickly with Atlanta uninterested in Harris and unlikely to be able to flip him to a third team. Uh, As you touched on, Yossi, earlier, really tough to combine those two salaries. And uh, I think Atlanta certainly recognized that. Um, You know, and and in terms of Ben Simmons, I mean, it's the worst kept secret in the league that 76ers president Daryl Morey is eyeing James Harden from afar. Um, You know, I I think when it comes to uh, Atlanta, as I touched on uh, in those Ben Simmons trade talks, They're open to shaking up the roster. Uh, The Hawks have been one of the biggest disappointments in the league so far, along with the Lakers, as far as I'm concerned with the talent they have um, on their roster.
1: Yeah, getting Tobias Harris attached with Ben Simmons has to be a pretty huge turnoff for the Hawks. Maybe another team can afford to take both those guys on at the the same deal, but I'm not sure the Hawks are that team. Um, It wouldn't make. I mean, I, I think it would make even it would make them even more expensive going forward. They're already going to have a really expensive team, and I'm not entirely sure where Harris fits in with the when there's a front court that already would have Capella and Simmons and DeAndre Hunter, and I don't think they want to pay thirty six million a year or so from to potentially come off the bench. Though, but I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of this hawk stuff. Like they might be making a big splash. I don't know they they might be turning it around though but at the same time i do think the rest of these got a little stronger compared to last year so that's been an adjustment but we'll see if this sticks um at the same time i think if the hawks do anything we could i would see i would say a gallinari move uh, just because he's got the partial guarantee for next season i think they'd like to get off that completely but if there's going to be any big changes, I would guess they're more likely to come in the off season. Uh, then you can do a little bit more with the rest of the team. Like for example, Capella will have his trade restriction expire, and Kevin Herter, he's got a poison pill restriction that will go away once the off season kicks in. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out a big change in the trade deadline, but. Maybe maybe could be a little best to do it during the offseason.
0: Well, I say this. If anybody trades for Dylan L'Agalinari, when they acquire him and they do a press conference, it better not say, You here, you're family. We're not we're not off this Olive of Garden nonsense. All right. I don't want to hear any of that. Not from my Paisan. Um, but you know what Also, we touched on like some stars like James Harden and Ben Simmons, but I think Quietly, another star that doesn't really get talked about as much as he probably should that is on the market is DeMontis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers um you know regarding DeMontis Sabonis one NBA executive told me he doesn't see the Pacers moving Sabonis unless they get a Nikola Vucevic type of package in return as Orlando did when they traded the All-Star center to Chicago last season and you know that executive is with a team that had been looking at some big big men so um, you know, certainly they're doing their due diligence. And if that's the asking price for DeMantis Sabonis, I don't I don't think that's out of bounds at all. I think that's pretty fair value.
1: Yeah, so I had my trade guide come out on hoopshype.com today and the Vucevic package that Orlando got was a parallel I drew when talking about the type of package that Indiana should seriously consider for Sabonis. I know it, it seems like most likely, like, they want to keep them. That's your preference. But uh, so last week on our podcast, I pitched a framework where maybe a team like the Kings can offer a really good player and two first-round picks for him. Uh, now, I don't think it's crazy to think maybe the Pacers could get offered, like, three first-round picks for him. Um, and if, if those offers are coming in, the, if the offers that are that strong, I think Indiana has to seriously consider it um another team i could see offering a similar type of picks heavy package i could see the wizards offering it uh they have they could i think they could get in the mix they've got a lot of young players and a lot of extra picks to trade
0: certainly time will tell on uh sabonis the trade market shifted for indiana with miles turner getting hurt but they've also got other rotation guys that could be available pacers swingmen Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb are also available on the trade market. Uh, league sources told who's hype. And according to rival executives I've spoken with, Indiana is seeking two second round picks for Justin Holiday. Um, you know, in, in three seasons with the Pacers, he's shooting just under 39% from three point range. So we'll see if a team looks to uh, give up that second round draft capital for a potential sharpshooter off the bench and holiday and a guy that could play decent defense as well.
1: Yeah. I would imagine that every role player on the Pacers can be had, uh, that could also extend to Torrey Craig, TJ McConnell. I remember when it was reported that the Pacers were looking to make some big changes. That also meant some of their bench players. Uh, I know lamb has been available since last off season. So, uh, you know, I, I, We'll see what happens with him. I could see him being a potential buyout candidate, whether it's with the Pacers, if he remains with them past the deadline, or, if, or another team he could be traded to. Um, my guess is uh, they could probably get some second rounders for all these guys.
0: And, you know, we touched on those type of role players, but I think one of the biggest name role players in the league that teams are looking at is Robert Covington on the Portland Trailblazers. Um, several teams have called to express interest in trading for Robert Covington, including the Utah Jazz, as Mark Stein first reported, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Cleveland Cavaliers, among others, have also reached out. League sources told Hoopsipe, Um I-, I think Covington's market, Yossi, is going to be particularly interesting as as a guy that teams feel could maybe move the needle for them.
1: Yeah, I was, Covington's market should be interesting because... Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more teams that, than you just mentioned that are probably pursuing him. He could be uh – I'm guessing he'll, he'll probably be a domino effect of a Jeremy Grant trade and potentially some of the other forwards that might be available, like uh, Harrison Barnes, Marcus Morris. So any team that's pursuing those guys, I could definitely see them also trying to go after Covington. Uh You mentioned Utah. That's definitely a team I could see going after him. Uh, in my trade guide, I, I mentioned Milwaukee. That's actually a team, like, when I was thinking about it, I was surprised they could definitely uh, they could definitely get there with the salary filler. And they're a team that definitely needs a guy like Covington. After P.J. Tucker left, he would slide in nicely into that role.
0: And you know, it's funny. Covington's former teammate in Houston, Eric Gordon, has also been touched on a lot uh, in terms of the trade market. and had reported on him that Houston was seeking a first round pick for him. Um, I don't know if they're going to get that, but, you know, shoot your shot, right? Um, You know, Yossi, when I look at Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon's value hasn't been this high in years after he's had multiple injury-plagued seasons. Um, The Cavaliers have kept tabs on Gordon, Karis LeVert, Terrence Ross, among shooting guards on the trade market, um, as far as I've heard. And... The Cavaliers also like Joe Harris from afar, but it would take a star for Harris to be included in any package from Brooklyn's perspective. Um, but circling back to Eric Gordon in Houston, um, to me, Yossi, Gordon has to be traded now, in my opinion, with his value never being higher um, in, as far as the past few years, and his age doesn't fit Houston's rebuilding timeline. So I think if if the Rockets can get him. Uh, move to a team like Cleveland that's looking for a shooting guard. You know, maybe the Lakers with Rob Polinka, his former agent, they're certainly looking for upgrades and scouring the market. Um, if Houston can move him, um, certainly if they get a first round pick, they'll do it. But even if they can get, I think, multiple second round picks, I think they've got to consider it. Given his salary coming up, it'll give him more flexibility looking ahead.
1: I think with uh, with Houston, with regards to not just Gordon, but some of their other players that might be available, there's Daniel Tice, um, uh, maybe Christian Wood. Um, they've got a. They're in a position where, I you know, they don't really have. They're rebuilding, and as a rebuilding team, you wanna you got to be in asset accumulation mode. And they don't really have any cap space or big trade exceptions to facilitate to facilitate those. So I. But, uh, you know, just looking at their cap sheet and seeing some of these guys that could be available, like they could get they could trade a lot of these guys. Uh, David Nwap is another guy. If they were to trade these guys, just get some picks and expiring contracts, they could be in a position to have cap space this offseason. And they're not that's not necessarily to pursue anyone, but just to have that flexibility to facilitate other salary dumps, take on bad money and just, you know, get as much as as you can to to expedite this rebuild, um, but I'm I'm a I am a little skeptical about them getting a first round pick. I I think I feel like if it was offered they they would have taken it already, um, and I'm a little skeptical. Guys like Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, Terrence Ross, all these guys we, you just mentioned, not entirely sure they'll get back first round picks right now, but we'll see. Uh, Main reason is, you know, I'm looking at some of these teams that have extra first-round picks lying around. You got Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Memphis, just to throw in a couple examples. Not sure these teams are looking to uh, trade extra draft picks right now anyways, or if they're really looking, if any of these teams are necessarily fits for a lot of these guys. Um, And I just want to, you mentioned um, the Cavaliers are looking at Joe Harris from afar, just the Cavaliers are one team I could see trading a first-round pick this season just because, you know, they've been in the lottery for four straight years and they finally have some cornerstones and Evan Mobley and there's Garland and Jared Allen. And I could see them thinking, you know, we've, we finally are in a position where we can make the playoffs and they're a little banged up uh, and our pick's going to be pretty low. Why not trade it now? Um, so I, that's definitely a team I could see trading the first round pick in this trade deadline. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll see, I'm, it is like a buyer's market, but I'm also a little skeptical just, uh, how much, wh- where the buying is going to go. I don't like, I think for some of these role players, I, I don't, I don't think teams are going to overpay for them, but maybe when it comes to some of the top players, like Sabonis, Jeremy Grant, I could definitely see some teams uh, overpaying for these guys.
0: Yeah, you know, when we were touching a little bit on the Rockets, you had brought up up Daniel Tice. Um, I've heard Daniel Tice is a name the Celtics called on and and did some due diligence on, though I think he's less likely to end up there following the trade of Juancho Hernan Gomez because his salary could have been used to facilitate a potential trade uh, for Tice and you know Boston seeking to remain under the tax. Um, other than that, in Boston, uh, Robert Williams has drawn interest around the league from teams. But rival executives I've spoken to believe Boston will hold on to Williams, and they view him as part of the core around Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown. There, certainly, you got to keep an eye on Marcus Morris. Um, Any time that Boston has been trying to get a third star, Marcus's name has come up there. And uh, he'll be a guy to, to monitor for sure as well as we are a couple of weeks ahead of the trade deadline now.
1: Yeah, I think Boston is very interesting heading into the deadline. Brad Stevens has been incredibly active in his first year. He's already made about six trades. I'm definitely keeping an eye on Marcus Martin, Robert Williams, just because they have the most trade value on the Celtics outside of Tatum and Brown. I don't necessarily think... I'm not necessarily believing that they're for sure going to get traded, but just some guys to keep an eye on for, uh, for this next two weeks, uh, smart actually just became trade eligible today and Williams will become trade eligible on Sunday. But I agree with you. I don't, and I, I don't think Williams, I, I think he's definitely less likely to get moved. Um, and, uh, at the same time, I'm not exactly sure what these guys can get for, uh, get for Boston. But, you know, I also – I definitely see Stevens reshuffling the deck a little bit more. Uh, I'm I'm definitely, though, keeping an eye on what they do without Horford. It was reported that they made him available, and I think that has a lot to do with their luxury ta- tax crunch for next season. The roster, as it currently stands with Horford, is going to be right at next year's tax. But if they can get off of him and his partially guaranteed deal – they'll have plenty more flexibility to flesh out the rest of the roster. So if they can move for Horford, then that would actually make bringing a new center like Tice make a little bit more sense. So maybe there could be a bigger multi-team deal out there where they get off Horford, get a quality, cheaper center, and then at the same time avoid the tax this and next year.
0: You know, you talk about the tax. A lot of executives around the league – expect either Dorian Finney-Smith or Jalen Brunson to possibly be on the move by the trade deadline since it'll be tough at Dallas to keep both those players going forward and avoid the luxury tax. Um, regarding Dorian Finney-Smith, several teams, including the Hawks, Trailblazers, Pacers, Wizards, Pelicans, and a couple of others have kept tabs on Finney-Smith, I'm told. Uh, I think he's going to be an interesting name to monitor on the trade market.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point about why the Mavericks might have to consider moving some of these guys or just making some type of move in general, because they are going to have some luxury tax issues next year already. Uh, So they might have to they might have to trade. They might have to make a tough decision to move one of these guys ahead of the trade deadline. They're already going to be at the luxury tax heading in the next year. And as great as they've been recently, I just don't see them paying the tax unless they get like another star or they're like a top two or three seed and they just, they're not there yet. Um, and re-signing just one of Brunson or Finney Smith, that, that would take them a, quite a bit over the tax. And then that could require some reshuffling afterwards to reduce costs. So I'm sure right now the Mavs are gauging what the market could look like for these guys in the off season. And my feeling is that you know that if they feel like they're gonna get some offers that's more than they're willing to pay them, or if uh these they could get some contracts that they think that could be a negative value going forward, then I could see them moving on from one of these guys now
0: uh you know listen you're you're a cap expert you know me i'm i'm just I'm living in your world when it comes to that but i know <laughs> I know a few things here and there um I do what i can um <laughs> i've you know, we touched on Dorian Finney Smith. I've heard Jalen Brunson has some admirers in Detroit. They have cap space team to keep an eye on, uh, looking ahead towards the summer. If Dallas is able to enter the mix for Jeremy Grant and acquire him, don't be surprised if either Jalen Brunson or Dorian Finney Smith is involved in a trade package. Um, if Dallas is going to part with either player, they're going to want an asset that helps them win now. Uh, keep that in mind if one of those guys is on the move within the next couple of weeks.
1: That's an interesting point. I could definitely see some type of Grant for Brunson deal. I think that, that'd be pretty good value. That'd be that'd be really good value for the Mavs. Uh, I and I could see Detroit valuing Brunson a lot, not just because, you know, he's good and they need a guard, but he's he's gonna have a really small cap hold and they're projected to have about 30 million in cap space. So they can, you know, they could spend all this cap space and then they could re sign him afterwards, go over the cap to re sign him to uh, whatever he's going to command.
0: All time will tell on that. I'm trying to think. Other than that, um, the other stuff I had heard out there, just a couple of teams looking for centers um, the Hornets, the Raptors, Chicago, I heard would be open to adding a backup big man. So, um, you know, we'll see if. Those teams make any moves ahead of the deadline in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, folks, Yossi touched on it earlier. If you haven't checked out his trade guide, I suggest you do. Other than that, got some time. Uh, Take also a look at uh, the interview I did with Michael Beasley, um, former number two overall pick. Michael Beasley opened up like I never thought he would. Um, Appreciated his candor. and. Honestly, I think he's a guy that you should keep an eye on uh, once the buyout market commences because you know teams are going to look to have roster spots and you know find guys that can help them in the playoffs. He's always been a bucket, um, and I think that he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, but other than that, you'll see. I mean, certainly you and I are going to be keeping an eye on things as well. Uh, I mean, working the phones with execs and scouts, you crunching the numbers. Uh, you know, some would say it's, uh, the Stockton and Malone, but I don't know. Huh. Tis the season, Mike. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Yossi, thanks as always for joining me and breaking it down. Appreciate the, the cap inside and knowledge. I know our listeners do and our readers as well. Um, I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too, at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.